You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. First Thessalonians chapter number two. And I want to talk to you about growing in the gospel tonight when we look in chapter 2 of 1 Thessalonians. How many, of you, how many of you have experienced the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ? I wonder. Amen? Hands, amens, praise the Lord. Uh, jump up and down would all be appropriate. Uh, what is the gospel? What is the gospel? How would you define the gospel if somebody asked you, what is the gospel? Yep, that's right, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Um, And so that's the gospel. What's gospel mean? What's the word gospel mean? Good news, good news. And so uh, in the previous chapter, it was talking more about the gospel in relation to salvation. And sometimes we just think about the gospel in terms of people coming to Christ. But what I want to show you tonight is that the gospel should still influence our lives today. Uh, I've been saved now... In October, it'll be 30 years. Yeah. Uh, this is a cool year for me because I've been married, uh, be saved 30, married 25. Is that right, Melanie? You're looking funny. You're not looking funny, but uh, making a funny face. But yeah, 1992 to 2022, uh, 30 years and married 25 in South Dakota, 20. Uh, preaching 27 years just a couple of weeks ago uh, just amazes me. But the gospel still has an impact in my life, or at least it should. And it still ought to be making a difference in your life as well. And so I'll show you what I mean here as we look. And actually, let's, I want you to go back and just start with verse number 9 of chapter 1, and then we'll read into chapter number 2, and we'll just show you some uh, truths about growing in the gospel. So let's just be reminded of their salvation of these Thessalonian believers. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 9, For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how that ye turn to God from idols to serve the living and the true God. And I just want to pause right there and say, Hallelujah, the gospel will change you. Is that right? I mean, listen, we don't just believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and say, Okay, we got that box checked off. No, man, it changes you. These people were worshiping rocks and stone and living ungodly lives, and, and they were laying their heads down at night emptiness and a void in their hearts that could not be filled by, you know, making gods after their own image because that's, by the way, people still do that today, don't they? There's still a form of idolatry to where people want to make a god in their own image uh, and therefore they can live however they see fit. But I'm telling you, at the end of the day, that's not a great way to live. So the gospel, these folks heard the gospel and their lives were changed. They turned from idols. And remember, This church is a church that the Apostle Paul didn't have anything negative to say about, man. This is an exemplary church. This is a model church. And so one of the things we're learning as we study this church is that we're learning and studying about kind of a good pattern to follow. Now skip down to chapter 2, verse 1. For yourselves, brethren, know our entrance unto you, that it was not in vain. 
But even after that, we had suffered before and were shamefully entreated. As you know, at Philippi, we were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God with much contention. Now, how were they shamefully entreated in Philippi? Anybody? Yep, they were beaten, they were jailed. Uh, but if you remember, it was uh, Paul and Silas, otherwise called Silvanus. The way we started this, that was his other name. But they were beaten, they were locked in jail. But at midnight, what did Paul and Silas do after being beaten and chained up and locked up? What did they do at midnight, at the darkest hour? Amen. They prayed and sang praises to God. Uh, a great model for us to follow, isn't it? It's easy to sing, folks, when the sun's shining and everything's going good. But what are you going to do at midnight? What are you going to do in the dark times? Man, God's still faithful. So they, they prayed and they sang praises to God. And, uh, and, and what did God do there in Philippi? Yeah, I mean, He, he sent an earthquake and, 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 and the, the prison totally broke open. But man, those prisoners were enjoying that midnight revival service so much they didn't even want to leave. And the Philippian jailer come out and, of course, got saved. But they went from Philippi over to Thessalonica and preached the gospel. But he says, you know uh, how we come to you preaching the gospel in much contention. And we'll uh, look at these verses. I'm just reading them now. But the Bible says, For our exhortation was not of deceit, nor of uncleanness, nor in guile. What's guile? Yeah, subtlety, deceit. It's kind of along the same lines. Um, but as we were allowed of God to be... Now listen to this. If you, got, if you have a Bible, I would, I would underline, highlight, mark these words here. Put in trust with the gospel. Put in trust with the gospel. Even so, we speak, not as pleasing men, but God, which trieth our hearts. For neither at any time used we flattering words as ye know, nor a cloak of covetousness. God is witness, nor of men sought we glory, neither of you, nor yet of others, when we might have been burdensome as the apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherisheth her children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only but also our own souls because ye were dear unto us what I'm wanting you to listen to in these verses is the gospel being lived out you were dear unto us you you loved us we we loved you we cared about you the tender care and the closeness of the gospel the the, the fellowship of the gospel verse 9 for you remember brethren our labor and travail for laboring night and day because we would not be chargeable unto any of you we preached unto you the gospel of god ye are witnesses and god also how holily and justly and unblameably we behaved ourselves among you that believe as ye know that we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his children that ye would walk worthy of God, who hath called you unto his kingdom and glory. For this cause also we thank God without ceasing, because when ye received the word, word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh in also ye that believe. Now, 
I'm not going to cover all those verses tonight, but I wanted to read them because it gives a great picture of the impact that the gospel had made not only on Paul's life, but it had also made on these people's lives in salvation, but it was a continuing thing. So considering the gospel today, just as the gospel saves, the gospel also sanctifies and brings about our growth. He uses the gospel to nurture the babes in Christ and help lead them to maturity. So I believe that one of the key verses in this section is verse 4 to where he says, he talks about being put in trust with the gospel and saying that's the basis of where I speak from. Now, Paul had been put in trust of the gospel. What that simply means is, uh, Eric might could talk to us a little bit more about trust and things of that nature better than me, but basically he's, th- th- there's been something deposited into Paul's life. It's the gospel. He said, the gospel has been put into my trust. The gospel has been committed to me. And therefore, I'm committed to the gospel. And since God has has put this great thing into my life to be a steward over, that's what he's talking about, stewardship, I'm going to be a good steward of the gospel. Now, again, how many of you have, have lives... And you don't have to answer, but how many of your lives have been impacted by the gospel? How many of you have trusted in Christ based on hearing about the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ and understanding, wow, Jesus did that for me. I want Jesus to be my Savior. And praise the Lord, your life was changed. That's wonderful, isn't it? And there's something else great that happened. And here's why it still matters for me 30 years later is because 30 years ago, he deposited into my trust this glorious message. This message, that's a message to be shared. But I'll submit to you, based on these verses, it's a, it's, a, it's a message that's not only to be shared, but it's a message that's to be lived. You know, I mean, I was just talking to the girls before church about the whole meaning of baptism. You know, I mean, that, that, that you're dying to that old life. You're, you're, you're bearing it and you're being raised again to walk in new life. Well, guess what? That's, that, that's it, isn't it? That's the gospel. And so we're living out the gospel. That newness of life is something that we are still living today. So therefore, every, so if you're saved, and if you know the gospel, you are a steward now of the gospel. That's wonderful. It's been put into your trust. But the thing about stewardship is, uh, who owns, in the relationship between stewardship, I, I had a pretty good example of this when I lived in Pier. We had a cowboy in our church that lived on a ranch out in Fort Pier. It was right, the, the ranch that he operated was actually right next to the Triple U Buffalo Ranch, like where they did for those my age and older. I say that a lot sometimes, I think, but for Dances with Wolves is where it was filmed out that way, all the big Buffalo Ranch out there. Um, but, uh, but, but so that, that's the ranch. But here's the thing. He, you'd go out there. He, he lived in the house on the ranch. He, there, was, there was a house on the ranch, there was buildings on the ranch, there was uh, tractors on the ranch, there was a, a bunch of uh, supplies and everything else out on the ranch, uh, you name it. I mean, shoots and just the whole nine yards, uh, but, uh, and cattle, of course. Uh, but here's the thing. He was just a steward of that stuff. He actually didn't own any of those things. Some dude in Colorado owned that ranch, owned that house, owned those cattle. But Joe's job was to work that ranch, and he was a steward. And as a steward, none of that actually belonged to him. He was getting paid, uh, you know, to, to work it and everything, but it wasn't his. 
So that means that probably every six months or every year, ever say how long, that Joe would give an account. Here's how things are going with your ranch, with your cattle, with your equipment, and on down the line. The, 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 the picture is just simply this. The relationship between a, steward, a steward, stewardship between the steward and the, the, the owner is that you've been given something. And you're supposed to be responsible for it because it's not really yours, but one day you're going to have to give an account. And so since we've all been given the gospel, it's not ours, it's the gospel of God, but what have we done with it? What are we doing with the gospel? Are we sharing that message with somebody? Uh, are we demonstrating that message? Are we good news people? Are we good news people? Uh, are we a good news church? I believe we are a good news church, amen? But, but a good news church and good news people. And now understand, sometimes in order to appreciate the good news, you've got to know the bad news, right? And that's a part of the gospel, honestly. But ultimately, you see the demonstration of the gospel. So keep that in your mind, because I am going to be trying to drive that home through these verses uh, this evening. Um, he was a steward. A steward owns nothing, but possesses and uses everything that belongs to his master. Uh, and so by the grace of God, hopefully we'll be found faithful one day. And that's why, if, you, if some of you remember this context or you've heard it, when the Bible says uh, you know, when you, you, that, that the servant enters in and, 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 and the master says, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Uh, that's the context of that. You have done well with what I have given you. By the way, the gospel isn't the only thing that he's given us. What else has God given us that we're going to give an account for one day? Talents, all right. Anything else, young people? What's something God's given you that's that's been gifted to you by God, but it's not really yours? Think of anything. Older folks always go young and old. If you want to be considered young, just sit on this side. It doesn't matter, all right. Uh, what else is something that's been given to you that you're going to be that you're a steward over? Yeah, yeah, your body, honestly. Uh, and 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 I'll make it real easy on you. Everything. I mean, really, uh, your life. I mean, did you give yourself this life? Did, did you breathe life? I mean, no, God granted you life. Uh, how, how about the money that God brings into your life? Uh, you know, some people, some people get this idea, uh, you know, when it comes to tithing, and I know there's different ideas about giving and whether we ought to tithe. But I'll tell you what, tithe is, I believe, the minimal of what a, uh, a Christian ought to give. I do believe that. Uh, but anyway, some people say, well, yep, 10% is God's and, uh, and the other 90% is mine. But that's not really the proper way to look at it. In fact, 100% of it is God's and he just requires me to give a certain amount of it. But it's all God's and I'll give an account for every bit of it. We'll give an account for the words we say. Well, on and on we go. Uh, we're stewards of a lot of things. Now, uh, nobody looked all excited about that, but, uh, but it just gives us the opportunity to be mindful of that as we live our lives. Now, the gospel has been entrusted to us. Um, I want to show you just a couple of verses here uh, outside of 1 Thessalonians. First of all, 1 Corinthians 15, this is where we kind of have the definition of the gospel. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 and 2. The Bible says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand. And I just want to pause there again. The, the, the cool thing you see there is, yeah, you receive the gospel. You're saved. But notice this. You stand in the gospel. 
It is still having an impact on your life right now. You stand in the gospel, by which also ye are saved, if you keep in memory what I have preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. And that part, you're saved, isn't talking about salvation from sins. It's talking about salvation in what God's doing in our lives. Look in Philippians 1.27, and I believe it may pop up on the screen also, but Philippians 1.27, only let your conversation, I believe we asked this question a couple weeks ago, but what's another word for conversation? What, what would we say conversation, biblically speaking? Lifestyle. Okay, and, and, it, and it does, it's not too much different from the way we use it today, it's just a little bit more in depth. So let your conversation, let your lifestyle be as it becometh, What? The gospel of Christ, that whether I come see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Okay, so let's look here in verse chapter 3, verse 1, and I'm going to just keep on emphasizing the gospel, so just uh, bear with me here. Verse number 3, the Bible says, For our exhortation was not of deceit, nor of uncleanness, nor in guile. We see the message of his ministry. Uh, six times in 1 Thessalonians, the gospel is mentioned. Six times in this short book. The message, of course, of his death, burial, and resurrection is the true message. And so when he's saying that there in verse number 3, our exhortation was not of deceit, nor of uncleanness, nor of guile. Uh, and I think another way of saying that is this. When you deal, when, when, when a cult, perhaps, comes knocking on your door or giving you a call. I got a call from a, a dude in the, uh, he never identified himself, but it was pretty easy to figure out that he was with the, uh, you know, the, the Watchtower Society. They call themselves Jehovah's Witness, but it was pretty easy to see that's who he was just from the conversation. But well, there's an interesting thing when you talk to some of these uh, folks that are in cults, uh, they use a lot of deceit and guile. And basically, they try to come in the back door. They don't just come out and say, this is what we believe. We're not hiding anything. What do we do? When we preach, the, the gospel is open, isn't it? The gospel is, hey, you want a relationship with God? Here's the thing you need to understand. First of all, the Bible is clear. We have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Our sin separates us from God. However, and, and listen, understand, there's a holy God that's going to judge sin. And there's a hell for those who reject Christ. It wasn't created for people. It was created for the devil and his angels. But there's only two places people can go. So there, there, there's sin, but here's the good news. God loved you so much that he was willing to go to the cross. Good news. He was willing to go to the cross for you. Molly, ain't that something just for you? He went to the cross to pay for your sin, to die there. Uh, she was like, I'm never coming back on Wednesday again after this. But anyway, uh, uh, to, to, to die on the cross, to rise again the third day for you. Good news, right? And then somebody says, okay, well, what else? What else do I need to do to become a part of y'all's uh, little group over there, you know, over at Elk Point Baptist Church? Well, that's it. I mean, you know, if you want to uh, join, you know, you need to follow the Lord in baptism and all that. But it's like, as far as, man, you're welcome. Uh, you're not going to, because here, here's the thing. Did you know, uh, I, I, think about, I think about Michael, you know, my son-in-law. Uh, 
He was, in the, he was at a Mormon church, use that term loosely, uh, for uh, every other week for the first like 15 years of his life. But he, even if he had been there every week, do you know at what point he actually starts really, really learning what they believe? Somewhere on down the road. Because they don't come up to you and say, Hey, did you know that God is really just a man? A man that became a God? And did you know that that, that, that man that's now a God uh, is, is uh, having a bunch of uh, spirit babies because he has so many wives and basically you were a, you're one of those spirit babies and you came along later? Oh, and by the way, did you know that Satan, that, that one of this man's sons that's now a God, uh, his was Jesus, another one of his sons was uh, Satan, Lucifer, uh, one had an idea uh, that, uh, that this man that's now turned into a God likes, the other one didn't like it, on down the line, and by the way, they changed this over the years, but the people that descended from Satan, you know, the people that came into the world that already existed, there's a bunch of weird stuff, uh, that's where black folks and everything come from. Now, they don't teach that quite like they used to, for obvious reasons. But they don't, that, that's not what they stand to, They don't come knock on your door and say, hey, can I tell you something? Did, let me tell you something, sir. You, if you become a devout, faithful Mormon, you too could become a God one day, and you too could be having, uh, have a bunch of wives and be having babies for all eternity. Maybe they'll let, you'll get to even inhabit a whole planet with them. Wife, good news for you too. You get to be one of the many wives that has those spirit babies uh, through eternity. And so we'd like to invite you to the Mormon church this Sunday. Uh, you see what I'm saying. Uh, and, 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 I, and I did not give a... Uh, I, there, was, there was very little facetiousness in what I was saying to you uh, Basically, I'm telling you what some of the things they believe are. Not picking on them, I'm just telling you. You know, nothing wrong with telling you what somebody believes, right? Uh, they're the ones that believe it or teach it. But the, the thing is, the average one doesn't even know a lot of that stuff. Because they, 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 they don't come to the front door with that. But the gospel's not that way. We are up front about what the gospel is. So, um, the true message of the gospel is clear. It's right up front. Uh, okay, I want y'all to help me with some of the things that we see through this chapter. And I, when you think about the gospel, what do you think of? Um, anybody? Okay, salvation. Um, what did Jesus demonstrate in the gospel? I'm, I'm, I'm kind of going somewhere here. I'm just having some thoughts. Let me give you a couple of the things that I wrote down. And maybe they'll be the ones you were going to say. But here's one thing I think about the gospel. Man. The gospel's caring, is it not? Okay, so you see what I'm trying to do? I'm trying to relate it to what is the gospel? And then how should that be lived out in our lives? And that's awfully caring that God would love me that much. They would send his son into the world to come and die, right? I mean, uh, it, it's caring. Um, I got another one. An another one, uh, it's, it's not of works. Now, I'm, with this thing of the gospel, I might be a little bit all over the place, but just think about this thing of not of works. If you, know my, if you know the true message of salvation in the Bible, what do you say to somebody when you say, hey, and you tell them the gospel, I've already shared it a little bit early, and you tell them that story. Jesus did all this for you. 
And then they look at you and say, yeah, I just don't think I could live it. I just don't think I could do it. I heard somebody say it. What did you say, Ron? You can't. You know what I could say to somebody like that? I just don't think I could live. I want to shake your hand. You're almost there. You're farther along than a lot of other people, right? Because we understand, hey, good news. It's not by works. See, when you get saved, what happens is he does it. I mean, and he gives you the power to become the sons of God. These verses talk about how our lives are changed. We're not worshiping idols anymore and all that. But the good news is it's not you doing all this. It's it's God making a change in your life. You're a new creature in Christ. It's not of works. Let me tell you something, folks. We tell people that, but but you know this as well as I do. Some of you do. (laughs) Some of us get saved, and we tell people that all the time. But then after we get saved... Then all of a sudden we act like it is based on our works and our performance. It's still not based on our works and performance. It's still not about what I can do. We we tell them, oh, it's good. You can't do anything to be saved. Well, even after that, all this stuff that happens in our lives is a byproduct of what? Uh, Of the grace of God. That's why I picked the the term tonight, growing in the gospel. Because we grow. God does a work in our lives. It's not you have, you know, that's why, you know, I believe in biblical standards. I really do. There's a lot of man-made standards that are just more along the lines of preferences. Those are fine as long as they're listed in the preference category and not in the biblical category. But here's the point about that. We believe in giving people room to grow, don't we? I need you to give me room to grow because I'm still growing. Uh... Because, and that's the good thing about growth. Because if we're, there's some churches that almost act like, now that you're a Christian, you just need to be the finished product all the time. Here's the mold that you fit into. But there's, that, that's a short-term solution, Ryan, that we've seen. Cookie cutter? Okay, good. You walk into our church, everybody looks just the same. You know, everybody, they, they, they know, you, you know the ceiling, you know the rules, you know, you know where to line up. Woo, good. Y'all look good, folks. All looking really good. Everybody's looking the same and, and on down the line. But there's a problem with that. When you've been, the, when, the difference between a greenhouse and like a machine shop is that once Chad works a piece of metal, I mean, uh, he put in some rails on uh, Sunday. Pray for him. Uh, working on Sunday. I might have been working with him a little bit. But anyway, uh, but I'll tell you one thing. You're not going to go out there here from now and be like, man, hey, I want you all to come see how my rails are growing. You ought to see them go now, buddy. Nope. You know what? They're going to look the same. They're going to still be the same old rails. Nice-looking rails, very nice-looking rails, but they're not growing. They're just there. Problem with these churches is, go there. You were there 10 years ago. Go there tomorrow. Guess what you'll find out? Everybody still is the same. They're not growing because they've just been stamped out. Um, But the gospel grows, so it's not of works. Okay, it's caring. It's not of works. Um, The gospel is giving. The gospel has transforming power. Any other ideas on that? You see kind of where I'm going with the gospel. It's selfless. It's relentless. I love that. It's relentless. 
Think about that with the gospel in our relationship with other people. Do you know anybody in your life that needs to be saved? Do you know anybody in your life, young people, that need God? Like they're just pagan. They don't think about God. They're without Christ. You know anybody like that? The great thing about the gospel is the gospel just doesn't stop. For the last 2,000 years, man, the gospel just keeps on coming. And it comes to somebody's house and they don't want nothing to do with it. But it's okay. It's going to come back again eventually. Hey, the gospel might show up on their job next time, right? The job may show up in a different avenue. The gospel may show up at a gas station. Uh, you know, I, I know a fella that, that didn't want anybody to talk to him about God, but he was, uh, he was helping, you know, like uh, haul grain or whatever during harvest. And, and he got in one of the farm trucks and sitting right there on the farm truck while he was waiting to get loaded up, there was a gospel tract right there. Sat and read it in that truck, waiting to get loaded, sat there and got saved. The gospel met him in that truck. The gospel's relentless. It just keeps on coming. Ryan? Yes. Amen. Amen. I love that. He said, not rich or poor, not black or white or any other color. It's, it's, it's not prejudice. Uh, it totally, listen, I don't believe in the not colorblind stuff, by the way. I think being, I think being colorblind, I, think, I, I, I believe being colorblind is ignorant and foolish. Can't you imagine just going to a beautiful, people use this stuff trying to deal with race relations. Can you imagine going to a beautiful botanical garden? But I'm colorblind. It's all the same color to me. Are you kidding me? No. God made beautiful variations of colors and of people. And it ought to be celebrated, not ignored. Uh, man, uh, I mean, wouldn't it be something? Some people think heaven's all white and everything. Do you know that? Uh, man, that's not heaven. Heaven's colorful. Uh, God, I mean, and so that's a whole other story. But, but, the, but the bottom line is, Ryan said, rich, poor, black, white, whatever color, does not matter. It doesn't matter if they're Muslim. It doesn't matter if they speak our language. The gospel doesn't care. So therefore, the point is, neither should we. Did you know, did you know, this is, this is a disgusting thing I'm about to tell you, but it's a true story. There are churches that are a lot like ours, preaching the gospel, trying to reach people, but they're trying to reach certain people. And they're trying to appeal to certain people. And uh, they're trying to appeal to pe certain people that maybe these certain people might have certain kind of jobs and certain kind of bank accounts uh, and certain kind of clothes and certain kind of... Uh, in other words, there are churches that literally try to market and... But listen, that's not the gospel. Gospel doesn't care. And kids, by the way, I ain't going to just... I'm not just don't want to just pick on the young people, but y'all are there like in real time in school and everything but it happens to us too. It don't matter if some kid's poor. It doesn't matter if some kid doesn't speak English. It doesn't matter what they look like, smell like, what they drive, what they don't drive. doesn't matter. If Jesus loves that person, we love that person. Right? The gospel doesn't care. So that's a great, that's a great one, Ryan. Any, any, anything else that you can think of on the gospel, Rob, Ron? Hey, man, I like that. Once received, it's never withdrawn. That's good. Uh, any other thoughts on the gospel? Pure love. I put in here that it's not in vain. 
You know, I, I guess this goes with being relentless. You present the gospel, it gets rejected, but uh, it just keeps coming back. And so it's not in vain. You don't waste your time by, by sharing and uh, living the gospel. Gerald. Amen. There you go. Simple. I like that. I really do. It's simple. Um, any other thoughts on that? There's one here that we're not going to, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of pressing on time here a little bit. But I like down here, down in chapter number 2, he says, somewhere along the lines down through here, he talks about, it wasn't about us. We weren't doing it. Okay, there, verse 6. Nor of men sought we glory, neither of you nor yet of others. In other words, man, it is... Uh, Man is, man is not glorified in the gospel, is it? Man is not glorified. God's glorified. That's the way our message ought to be. That's the way our lives ought to be. Man isn't glorified. God's uh, glorified. Uh, and, and, and again, this kind of goes to maybe the sincerity part that we talked about earlier. Has no ulterior motives. No ulterior motives. <laughs> Did you ha, Now, if, you're, if you share the gospel with people enough, and especially if you kind of have... Uh, my, I think all of us can some maybe, sometimes maybe say our personalities can be a curse and a blessing. Uh, but, but mine, you know, I'm so friendly and outgoing like this sometimes. Uh, people are kind of like, what's the deal with that guy sometimes, you know? Uh, and so, why are you being friendly to me? Why are you being so nice to me right now? What are you after? What are you after? What, what, what are you trying to accomplish here? Here's the thing about the gospel. No ulterior motives. I'm just interested in you, which sounds even creepier maybe, but I'm, I'm trying my best uh, to just uh, love people and communicate uh, the gospel, uh, but there's no ulterior motives. Uh, I, I'm, man, aren't you glad about that? I, I mean, I, can you not honestly say today that we really aren't thinking, oh, man, uh, I'm going to share the gospel with that person because, man, what could they bring to the church? Now, I think that about everybody, but I'm just saying that I don't think that about maybe somebody with some kind of power or prestige or whatever. In fact, sometimes I can, I, the, the ones I think about that more than anybody is, is one I'm hoping to see saved soon, man. And uh, I know Ralph knows who I'm talking about. But I think about some of the people that other folks might think, I wouldn't want somebody like that in my church. They're the ones like, man, I want to see that fella get saved, son what God could do with him. So the only ulterior motive, there's no ulterior motive, but I just want to see people have the good news. Lives transform, lives change. That's what this ministry is about. That's what our lives are about because it's gospel-based. Gerald? Amen. Amen. And that's good. I, and and I, I want you to think on that. We'll, we're going to dismiss here in just a moment. We'll, it's the great thing about Wednesday nights is I never feel as rushed because I was like, we'll stop it off and pick it up next time. But... But I want you to think about that. Ways the gospel influences your life. Read 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, and I believe it's said over and over and over again that what God has done in our lives ought to still be making a difference in our lives today. And again, ultimately what you find out is it's for others. We've been given this trust. Man, help us to make a difference in somebody else's life. Um, we can get tricked. and I'm, I'm closing with this one, okay? We can get tricked into getting self-centered in our lives. It can get real tricky. What's some things that get us looking more selfward than upward and outward? 
some things we all face, troubles, trials, burdens, what people think, somebody say something else, pity, pity, so we just get self-focused, um, there was another one I had on my mind, but there are, there's these things that we can go through, uh, oh, how about this one, our failures, and we can get tricked into, well, I mean, I can't really share the gospel, and I ain't, you know, so we just go around in the mullet grubs all the time because we're having self-pity or we're going through troubles and trials. How's it going? Bad news. I don't want to be known for bad news. Now listen to me very, very clearly. There's times in my life I need to let you know, Derek, I'm kind of going through it right now, buddy. Would you pray for me, okay? I, I ain't trying to act all pie in the sky all the time, all right? Uh, but as a general rule, I would like for, you know, because I could say, things going rough, but man, God's good. Amen. Circumstances are terrible, but man, God's awesome. You know? How you doing? Man, I've messed up so bad this week, but hallelujah, I've got a God of grace. Woo! Good news. Amen? Good news. Uh, and so, may the Lord help us to be people whose lives demonstrate the gospel and we'll uh we'll talk more about that lord willing on next week amen uh any closing questions comments concerns corrections clarifications rebukes all righty